Lord Jesus Christ, we love you and we adore you. I ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts that we might hear from you this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Kirk, where'd, where'd you go? There you are. Can I just say I am so warmed by your, your branding this morning. Uh, it's, it's such an encouragement to have our scripture readers so clearly in alignment with our church. Oh, there's, there's more stickers. Great. I don't need to see the, the additional stickers. Um, yeah, but, but thank you. Thank you for that blessing. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's okay. This is, this is a safe space. What, is, what goes on here at Restoration stays at Restoration. <laughs> um, so I, uh, as I mentioned during our welcome, many of us are coming back from Chicago. Uh, that is where our cathedral church is, uh, Church of the Resurrection. And every year we have a conference called Revive, where we, we come together and we meet with other uh, brothers and sisters from across the diocese of the upper Midwest. Uh, and, and this was just an exciting time. And we made a, a large push to try to encourage as many people as we could. I know it didn't work with everybody's schedules. Um, these things going down to Chicago isn't necessarily an easy thing. But it was fun. We had, I think, 20 people from Restoration come down. Can you raise your hand if you were one of the folks who went down to Chicago this week? Great. So ask. Yeah, some of the others are probably sleeping in because we got in kind of late. <laughs> um, so if you have questions about Chicago, ask these folks. Uh, they would love to tell you about the experience. Uh, it was a good time. Uh, and these are... These are other churches and people who we met, like these are, these are people who we pray for for a regular basis. You might notice in our prayers of the people, there's always a church that we add in there. That's a church uh, in our diocese that we pray for. Uh, and it's also exciting because these are people who are, we are in common mission together with. And uh, at one of the folks who went down with us, uh, he met our bishop for the first time. And this was kind of a, a good experience for him because he was like, Rick, I, I, I met our bishop, and he actually knows your name. And I'm like, well, of course he knows my name. That's my pastor. Like, I, I, I call him. I, I text him. You know, like, he's, we, we have conversations. We, we've seen each other on a regular basis. He ordained me. Like, he, I hope he knows my name, right? Um, and, and, and then he was like, and now he knows my name as well. And this, this isn't a statement about how great our bishop is, although he, he's a wonderful person, but I think it's a statement of, of the family that we are a part of, that you are a part of uh, coming to this church. Uh, even though we're meeting in this community center in a gymnasium, uh, and there's, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of us here today. There's, it looks like there's quite a few of us here today, but we're a part of a movement that's actually much larger than this, um, that, that spans the globe in many ways. Uh, so what I thought I would do today is kind of depart from our lectionary readings. Usually I'll preach through the church calendar, uh, but I thought today, kind of coming off the heels of Revive, it would be fun to share with you a passage that is very near and dear to the hearts of those who are in our movement. And you may have heard me preach on this actually before. Uh, I preached on it about a year ago at one of our preview services before we launched weekly services. And this is a passage that you'll hear others in our diocese talk about. I'll probably preach this again in a couple years. Uh, hopefully it'll be even more mature and, and developed and maybe I'll have more sleep, you know, beforehand. Um, but what I'm trying to say is this is a passage that we love and we think that this is something that shapes our culture, shapes who we are, and, and it also gives us tools for understanding what it is we're experiencing here, not just on Sunday mornings, 
but what we're experiencing in our life groups, what we're experiencing in our outreach uh, ministries, what we're experiencing uh, just in our coffee conversations with one another throughout the week. Um, this is something that describes the life of the church. And so what I'm discussing here, we actually call this the architecture of the church. And I'm going to be blitzing through some of this stuff. Uh, I don't like to move through things very quickly like this. Um, I, I like to kind of slow down and, and dwell on things. So this might be a little bit of an unusual uh, vibe. Uh, if you're a note taker, I encourage you to avail yourself of that last page on the back of your bulletin where we put some extra space uh, for notes and stuff. Um, and like I said, this will be an ongoing conversation. So in this passage from Acts, we call this the architecture of the church. And there are five S's that I'm going to be pointing out this morning. Five S's. And like I said, this gives us language to understand who we are, not just as Anglicans, but as members of a Christian movement, as who we are as believers in Christ. And um, I'm going to skip that. Well, I'll say it. All right, so uh, in, in November, November, uh, like I mentioned during our welcome, our birthday is next week. Holy smokes. We're going to be celebrating elements of our birthday all November long, so it's going to be kind of our birth month, and I'm going to be preaching through the five values of restoration, the reconciliation, hospitality, wholeness, contemplation, and mission. I'm going to double up one of those at some point. Um, but uh, again, what I would like to do today is kind of act as like a, just kind of show the vision of our diocese as a whole, but then really hone in next month on each of the values and who we are as restoration. All right, architecture of the church. So this is an essential time in the history of the church. Uh, the book of Acts explains how the church exploded out from Jerusalem throughout um, to Judea, Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the world. That's kind of the overarching story of the book of Acts. Uh, and it's a beautiful, exciting, adventurous story. And what we see here is the community of believers. It's a small gathering, and they're gathering together uh, just kind of to, to figure out what in the world just happened. There is this man this, who, who claimed to be the Messiah who was walking in their midst and healing people, who was, who was casting out demons from people, and on a few occasions even rose people from the dead. And then this man was put to death, and he himself came back from the grave. So naturally those believers were, were wondering what in the world is going on here, but that's not it. Then he ascended into heaven, and then his spirit descended down upon the people in their prayer. And that's what we've actually been celebrating for the last five months or so, this season after Pentecost, this season of the church on mission being equipped with the Spirit of Christ. And so, like I said, they are gathering here, and let's take a sneak peek into, into what this community actually looked like. So five S's. Man, that was, that was a lot of introduction. I'm going to have to blitz through this stuff. Church of the Resurrection is doing like a five-sermon series on each one of these S's, because that's them, they're really intense. Some of you are smiling because you've been at resurrection, you know how intense they are. So I'm gonna do this in like, I mean now I've got like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. Are you guys going anywhere after this? Should we, okay, <laughs> Molly just said, stop it. <laughs> okay, 
First one, this church, uh, the early church was fully committed to the scriptures. Fully committed to the scriptures. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. So those two things, apostles' teaching and the prayers. So what exactly was the apostles' teaching? Well, it's the stories of Jesus. These are men who have walked with Jesus for the last couple years, and now they're just swapping stories about this. It's like they're coming around the campfire and sharing what has been going on. They've been talking about Jesus' teachings, like a Sermon on the Mount, and many of his memorable parables. They're having conversations of, of what Jesus would do with the outcasts of society, how he would look after them and, and, and bring them into his fold. They're talking about the places that Jesus would go, the people who Jesus would heal. These people were obsessed with telling the stories of Jesus Christ and what he was doing, especially his final week on earth leading up to, or his final week leading up to the cross and that glorious and beautiful resurrection. So eventually these teachings would be written down. They'd be shared in letters going back and forth between the churches. Eventually some of them would write these, these weird sort of historical biographies that we come to know as our, our gospels about Jesus and his life. And this would become the New Testament. And we're seeing here some of this beginning to unfold. But also they were devoted to the prayers. That's a shorthand way of saying the Psalms. Uh, any Jewish believer would have had all 150 Psalms memorized. And so when we see here in the text that they were, that they were um, devoting themselves to the prayers, we can understand that as their liturgical reading of the Psalms, their singing of the Psalms. Basically, they were, they were a people of the Old Testament as well. It wasn't like they were only obsessing over uh, the life of Christ. Because what they were doing is they were seeing Christ back through all of the Psalms. You know, these were, these were psalms that they had memorized, and like I said, now they're reading the psalms and they're thinking, it's Christ the King who is enthroned on the praises of his people. He is the one who is clothed in lightning and speaks through thunder. Jesus is the good shepherd who leads me to still waters. Look, here's Jesus, is what they're finding out in the psalms. And that's why if you read through the New Testaments, the psalms are quoted left and right. They're all over the place. So, they devoted themselves to the scriptures, the apostles' teaching, the Psalms. You know, we need to be a church who is absolutely devoted to the truth of the Holy Scriptures. Because this is the primary way, the primary vehicle in which God speaks to his people. Are you here today because you want to know God more? Good. Dive into the scriptures also. I love that we read plenty of it here on Sunday mornings, but that's not enough. We need to be in it all the time. We need to be a group of believers who are actively listening to the scriptures. Because without this, the church dies and it dwindles. And we see this happening throughout our cities. Sometimes churches are, are so incredibly legalistic that the, the scriptures are, are rigid. They're sort of this, this cold monolith that is just beating people down into submission and, and oftentimes abused by leaders. This isn't a living scripture. That's a cold, sterile scripture. And then you have some churches that, that believe themselves to be so enlightened and above the scriptures that they neuter it of any sort of power or relevance to modern life. You know, they may, the scriptures may have been, you know, good for those superstitious people back then. You know, maybe we can mine a couple moral lessons of, of how to behave well, but surely it doesn't speak to us today. The scriptures, friends, is fully alive. 
So the, the Mark passage that we read today uh, has this beautiful line in here where Bartimaeus comes up to Jesus. And there in verse 51, Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And if you were here last week, you may have noticed that that line was also in last week's gospel text. And I, I almost wanted to squeeze it into the, the sermon last week. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't. So last week we read through the, the gospel passage of James and John coming to Jesus. These two rascals, you know, they come to Jesus and they're asking him. They say, Jesus, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And do you know what he says? He says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus knows very well what they want, but he offers this beautiful line. What do you want me to do for you? Um, as a church planter, things get a little busy. Uh, th- there's, there's a lot going on, and I'm not, I'm not asking for sympathy. This is, this is a, a joyous occasion that Molly and I and my girls have stepped into. We are, we are happier than we have ever been. Uh, but I remember reading that text last week and thinking, Jesus, is that a word for me? Are you asking me what you can do for me? And it was, it was so special um, that I, I actually didn't want to put it in the sermon because I felt, you know, Jesus, this is, this is something you have for me this week, and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to chew on this. You know? and, I, and I felt like the Lord wasn't giving me permission to share it uh, until, until this morning. And, and I'm not saying that to you as if, you know, to, to, to think more highly or spiritually of me. I'm saying that to you because as evidence, as encouragement, that the Lord wants to speak to you through the scriptures. Are you listening? Are you listening? All right, so that was a lot on the first S. The second S. This was a church who was full of the sacrament. Full of the sacrament. On two occasions in this passage, we see that the early church met together for the breaking of bread. That's another one of those sort of key phrases that is hearkening back to the life of Jesus, multiple occasions of Jesus' life. So we think back to sort of John 6 and the feeding of the 5,000 when Jesus lifted up. He, he had this great Eucharistic moment. The Eucharist means giving thanks for the bread, and then he broke it and distributed it in a miraculous way. It reminds us of the Last Supper, which the early church believed to be, well, it, it, we know it was a Passover supper, but they believed to see that it was Christ himself who would be that Passover lamb. Or it reminds us of Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and, and, they, and they, the disciples, some of the disciples meet Jesus, and he starts showing them the scriptures and, and opening it to them, but it's not until the breaking of the bread that, that he was revealed to them. You see, at the table, at this table, which don't be fooled, this isn't just a little card table that's used for bingos on Thursday night. This is, this is the Lord's table this morning. And this is where Jesus Christ meets his people through the Holy Sacrament. We don't believe it's transforming into something else. We don't, but we certainly don't believe that it's just a memorial. It's not just a ceremony of remembrance. We believe that Christ is within, beside, around, above, below. He is there present in the bread and the wine. One of my, my honors as your pastor is to be a waiter at the table. It's Christ who is the host. It's Christ who is providing for you. I'm just here to serve you, uh, to, to, to hand you the bread and the wine. And I have seen that this is a place where soul work is happening. 
Some of you sometimes come up with tears in your eyes. And I don't know what's going on in your soul at that moment, but I know that Christ is ministering to you. Some of you have received words of wisdom at communion. Some of you have, have um, just been overcome with, with conviction, but in a, convert, in, a, in a forgiving, encouraging sort of way. And I'm not saying that every time you, ha- you come forward that there needs to be some sort of special feeling. That's not it. A lot of the times coming forward for communion is just a, a long obedience in the same direction, right? As, as, um, as Pastor Peterson has told us. So anyway, this is where we come to meet, pe- to, to meet Christ. And I could say much more about this. Come back next week when we're going to be baptizing some folks. Talk more about the, the presence of Christ through the sacrament. But I hope what you're hearing today is that our God is a God who believes that matter matters. That he uses the elements of this world to speak to his people. Both in the sacraments, but also just through each other, through, through beauty, through, um, through nature. God speaks to us through the sacrament. The third S, the early church was full of the Spirit. Verse 43, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. As I mentioned before, this is a theme of the book of Acts. What you see in the book of Acts is that the Spirit comes down and moves in powerful ways, signs and wonders. And what we are seeing is that just as Jesus healed lepers, the church heals lepers. Just as Jesus healed the blind, the church heals the blind. Just as Jesus raised people from the dead, we hear this actually happening. The church raises people from the dead. We are a church here in South Minneapolis who expect God to be moving in real and powerful ways. In real and powerful ways. And I'm not saying that every time we ask, we receive a yes. But we should be thinking in our minds, maybe now. Maybe now. We should be going to the Lord Lord, would you please do this for me? You know, I I ask questions why we don't see more of this kind of left and right miraculous things that are happening. I'm sure you're asking those questions as well. And I don't have all the answers for you. Uh, Sometimes I I, kind of think that maybe it's, it's in those environments where the gospel is just breaking out into unreached people groups. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, our, our friend Jonathan from the Solomon Islands was here and kind of hearing these, these really bizarre stories of, of healing and God speaking to people through dreams and stuff was really wild. But that stuff also happens here, if we're listening. Uh, a friend who came down to revive came to me and saying, uh, I, I had this crazy dream uh, the other day. And, you know, my friend... He was asking God to speak to him, and he was listening. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to pray about it. We're going we're to uh, discern through this prayer because it is, it's a beautiful thing. It's, some, it's a way that God speaks to us. And so my prayer is that for us here at Restoration, we'll be a church who is full of the Spirit. All right, the fourth S. Verse 44 and 45. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as any had in need. So the fourth S S is this. The early church was free to sacrifice. They put it all out there, right? These were believers who joyfully sacrificed their time, their talents, and their treasure to the church. And some of you might be sitting here right now like, oh no, this is where Rick's going to ask me for, your, for my money. And guess what? Yes, I am. For the sake of your soul, 
Like, not just for me. But do you see the joy that's coming out of this community of believers? You know, they are, they are putting everything out there. Look how happy they are. They're in one another's homes. No one was in need. They're eating with one another. They're being with one another. They're glad, and they're praising God. So for the sake of your soul, I, I encourage you to wrestle with this. You know, am, and, and I know that financially folks are in different positions. Sometimes it's our time that is really consuming of us. But what is this, I think this text is challenging all of us, myself included. What can we be doing for the sake of the church? Again, look how happy they were. This, this doesn't look like a group of people who have been guilted into giving by their pastor, right? Like they're just coming together and they're just throwing it out there. These are men and women and children who are tasting the joy of Christ. They're entering into that posture of Jesus Christ himself. Who for the joy set before him, as the author of Hebrews says, endured the pain of the cross. See, one of the great paradoxes of Christianity is that when you give, you live. The, the Lord meets you there. And friends, we, we, there are people in this room right now who are doing this in absolutely foolish ways for the sake of the kingdom. The world looks at you and sees what you're doing and sees you as being absolutely foolish. But the Lord sees your sacrifice and is just filled with gladness. Some of you have left safe and lucrative jobs to be a part of kingdom works. Some of you have stayed at safe and lucrative jobs so that you could give sacrificially to the church. Some of you uh, crazy people took off vacation days to attend this, this conference, this Anglican conference in Chicago. Some of you actually moved to smaller and older, more rickety homes here in South Minneapolis so you could be closer to this community. Some of you give up your Saturdays to teach English uh, to refugees. Some of you are giving away more than 10% you know, 20% of your money to not just this church, but also other kingdom ministries that you know of. You see, when you meet the resurrected Jesus Christ, you are free to sacrifice. You're free to let go of your possessions, your time, and your, your treasure. So don't you want to be a part of this? Don't you see this party that is going on here in this passage? Like I said, people are telling stories of adventure. What greater adventure is there than the stories of Jesus Christ and the life that he lived? People are discovering truth in the scriptures. People are being fed and people are being healed. And that brings us to the fifth S. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's often been said that the church is an organization. Oh, did I say what the S is? No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> the fifth, this is, this is sleep-deprived Rick, y'all. Uh, the f or maybe it's normal, Rick. I don't know. Those of you who have been along long enough will know. Uh, so the fifth S, this was a church who was focused on the salvation of others. Focused on the salvation of others. It's often been said that the church exists, not for the sake of its own members, although that's certainly a part of it, but also for the sake of those who aren't yet a part of the church. And church involves so much joy coming here. And I see it as you all walk in here and you meet each other and you're, you're connecting, you're asking each other about how your week has been. That's why when I give the opening welcome, there's like three people sitting here in the pews because all of you guys are out there. You know, you want to be here. There's so much joy in being here. But there's also a bit of grief in coming here too. There's a bit of sadness that we all carry with us when we come in here. Because we all have these individuals in our lives who aren't here with us. 
And I don't, I don't mean necessarily here at Restoration, although I would love that, but at any church on, on Sunday morning. We know that there are people who are missing out on that, that fellowship that we see on beautiful display here. We Because we know that God's desire is for all people to come into his fold. That's part of the reason why we named this church Restoration. Because we know there's so many people, and Molly and I included, who have, have felt the Lord's nudging and the Lord's presence and, and, and sometimes his power in very real, tangible ways. But for some reason, that, that faded, that disappeared, it went away. Maybe it was because we were wounded uh, by, by some leaders who we trusted. Maybe it's because of our own negligence. I don't know. But all of us have kind of experienced that, right? But God isn't done with us. He wants to restore that fire in your bones. He wants to revive your heart and give you life again. He wants to do this for you, for me, and for those who aren't yet here. So let us continue to pray for them. So, fully committed to the scriptures, full of the sacrament, full of the spirit, free to sacrifice, and focused on the salvation of others. My guess is that as you've been listening to these five S's, there's probably one, maybe two, that you're like, oh yeah, that's me. I love that one. You know, maybe you come from a church background that, that really majored in one of those. But my guess is there's also maybe one or two that makes you a little squeamish in your seat. You're like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, full of the spirit, that sounds wacky. You know, I don't want to do that. Or like that whole sacrament thing, like, I don't know, like that sounds too like hocus pocusy. You know, I don't... I don't know about that sort of stuff. So I really want to challenge you to lean into these. You know, if you're, if you're a life group leader, maybe the next time you all meet for life group, maybe this is something you can discuss in your, in your gatherings. If you're not in a life group because maybe that doesn't fit with you, you know, meet with me, meet with, with someone else in the church and discuss, like, what are some of these S's that really get you excited and what are ones that, that kind of challenge you a little bit? Because here's the deal. We need all five. And this, this isn't a call to, to some, you know, ministry or like philosophy of ministry, you know, the five S's. I, I don't want us to like go around wearing t-shirts that say five S's on them or anything weird like that. Like this isn't a call to a ministry plan. This isn't even a call to Anglicanism. You don't need to be an Anglican to be a five S church. Now I'm going to be a little biased. I'm going to say, you know, this is something we really like. But I, I, we have many brothers and sisters who are five S churches. I don't want to give off the air as if it's exclusive to us. Because like I said, we need all five. And this isn't a call to either of those things. This is a call to the life of Jesus Christ himself. Christ who is present in the word. Christ who is present at the table, at the sacrament. Christ who gives us his very spirit. Christ who calls us to sacrifice. Christ who desires the salvation of the nations. This is, a, this is an invitation to a life with Jesus Christ within the body of the church. So on that note, let us pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for giving us the church, for giving us your very body. That becoming a Christian isn't just uh, attaining to some sort of mental things or checking off stuff on a box, uh, saying that we belong to this community, but that it's actually the bride of Christ who you commissioned to go out into the world to reach the lost. Lord, I pray that you would use us. Lord, I pray that you would grow us to be a full 5S church, uh, that we would be strong in each one of these areas. 
Because, God, there are people in my neighborhood who need to know you. They need to know that you are a God who speaks today. That you visit us through dreams. That you visit us through, through the sacrament. That you visit us through the scriptures, Lord. My neighbors need to know that and the neighbors of folks in this room. There's all people on our hearts, Lord, who we want to come and be a part of this great party. So use us, Lord Jesus Christ. Take our offering, accept it, and multiply it, Lord, that we can be a, a church of restoration for this community. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. I invite